Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome to the Friday Investing Power Hour. My name is Brett Schaefer. I'm here as always with Ian Gray and Ryan Henderson. Guys, we have lots to talk about. Lots to talk about this week. I will say again, as always in the intro, this show, we have no preparation and we are kind of just winging it. We actually, that is the one rule is that there is no preparation. But like Ryan just said, there's going to be no shortage of things to talk about this week since earnings have kicked off and we had some spicy reports. I mean, I don't know. I've been talking with Ryan all week about it, but oh, thank you, Ian. Let's flip the gallery. Thank you for that. All right, Ian, what have... I don't know. What well, have you been hold on. We should mention that this is uh, for all the podcast listeners. If you actually want to like ask us questions or something like this, that that is uh, this is live on YouTube at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Fridays. So um, you guys can like, there's like a chat function, I think, where you guys can ask questions and we got some good ones last week. So feel free to shoot in there. Yep, exactly. All right. Ian, anything that piqued your interest this week? Well, I'm going to take a step back from kind of the news and I actually started uh, the snowball this week. So it's going to be a little bit of a push to try and finish it before the meeting starts, but I'm going to try. Um, and so just a, just about two and a half chapters in so far, but enjoying it. Um, I think for those who don't know, it's the Warren Buffett biography um, and just has, it's very detailed, very, lots of information really paints the full picture of um, kind of these different events that are happening. And so I think uh, I always, I always love kind of digging into people's lives and especially people who have lived or who are great in some field or in their whole life. But um, just kind of getting to get real granular on great people is something that um, I enjoy doing. It's, it's kind of interesting to me and what makes people tick and how they got to the level that they are and what the shortcomings were and what the things that really propelled them were. And um, so anyways, I'm excited to finish. I think both of you have read it, right? Yeah. First hundred pages aren't good. I'll, I'll admit that it's too. It's a little, uh, the early life, I think they may have done a bit, you know, a, a few too many words in the early life, but that's okay. It gets good in the middle. I think it's entertaining the early life to see how inquisitive of a child little Warren was fireball. Well, we maybe can do that in 20 pages, not 200, but who knows? It, yeah. uh, it will be a tall task to finish that before the meeting ends. Yeah, only one, basically one week from right now. 
Yep. And that's what, 800 pages? Yeah, something Correct. like that. <laughs> mm, that'll be tough. I but, like reading though. So it's, and I've got, I've got some motivation to get this one done. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll give you, an, I, I'll give an update the next time we do a power hour. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That will be post Berkshire. So I'm assuming we're going to talk post Berkshire at the, the next one. Cause next week we'll, we'll be off. This is another good time to mention. Yeah. We're not going to be, we're not going to be doing this next week, but for anyone who doesn't know, we are going to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Ian, Brett, and I. So if you're there, give us a shout either over email or Twitter or something. Uh, and we'd love to meet up. Last yeah. time we saw, last time we were there, we saw some listeners uh, or we met some listeners, grabbed some drinks. That was fun. Yep. There should be some Molly Fool people there as well that we've been talking to. A lot of people, if you're in the FinTwit universe and kind of within our sort of fundamental investor group, that you know, there's all those different types of styles on FinTwit. There are a lot of those people will be there as well. So probably just DM us on the Twitter account. That's the best way to access it. Um, all right, email guys, our email is also podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll make sure to put it in the show notes, um, and it should be in any other podcast show notes. All right, let's get to real stuff today. What, what's the first thing we should talk about? I know everyone's been talking about Netflix, so I don't know if we want to cover that. Well, yeah, I do. Let's you do? That. All right. Ryan, you just talked about that on Motley Full Live. So any, okay. any takeaways? What are your thoughts? Well, okay. First things first. I think they are, they're like the first big company to report during the earnings season. And I think that's a huge disadvantage because no matter what happens, you're, it feels like the investor reaction gets amplified because everyone's just like waiting for a report. So I wonder if they were two weeks later, how much they would be down compared to being the first to report. Cause they're down like 40% since the report, which is a pretty wild swing. Um, and I think they're down almost 60% on the year. So it's, I don't know. It's kind of shocking. And, and I guess for anyone that wasn't like aware of the quarter, subscribers declined quarter over quarter for the first time in a decade. It, they would have been positive if it weren't for basically axing uh, Russia's access to Netflix, but still it would have been like a really low subscriber ad. I don't think that it's that attributable to competition. Everyone is saying... Uh, well, uh, the industry's attracted so much capital that Netflix like can't keep its position. But their market share among TV viewership in the U.S., uh, they sustained it during the quarter. So that kind of tells me that maybe it isn't competition, that maybe it's more they've just hit saturation in the mature yeah. markets. Or they've hit a, a roadblock internationally. Uh, yeah, they also said that a lot of the Eastern European countries, like there was some attrition over there just because of like, they think it was related to the Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine situation, like maybe just tightening a purse strings in some of those areas. Um, maybe over like fear that the conflict's going to escalate a little further, but I don't know. I just feel, I feel like it might be an overreaction. I'm, I'm never going to be long Netflix. Cause I don't know why I've, I just, I, I'm not going to be, I can't really predict what's going to happen in that industry, but it, uh, I guess never say never, but it feels, and I say this every quarter it drops, but I'm like, it feels like a good time to be an owner. Reed Hastings, like 
I don't know. That management team always figures it out. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I agree. If you're bullish on Netflix, this is where you kind of got to, I feel like grit your teeth and get long, but it doesn't feel comfortable. Obviously I've never owned it. So it's hard to tell. Don't really have a read on it, but I think it's interesting to look back on their sort of buyback talk, their video game initiatives. And that was a, maybe a bit of a leading indicator that they're trying to, they're reaching saturation with the core product. Um, I do like the advertising if they do it correctly, though, because oh, yeah, you're seeing that streamers want that. Here's the conundrum, though. If they would have been tried to kill HBO and embrace more of the high quality content, if you kind of know what I mean, instead of the low quality stuff that they're kind of pumping out right now, majority of which, you know, those reality TV shows, what do they call that? Love is blind. All that, all that stuff. That's, and um, uh, just more of have on content instead of like maybe a really big show, say HBO kind of does a lot of those then the subscription model works perfectly because you know you want i don't know that just works better for that stuff but i get a little i get a little mixed signals about how like they went after these reality type shows which are huge on the platform now or action movies and re- really rewatchable action movies and stuff like that that feels way more catered to an advertising tier than an hbo style one if we're looking at the last 50 years of what's worked on television I could agree with that. The, uh, I do think the competition, that's like the big, I feel like all the bears came out of the woodwork this, this quarter. And they're like, told you competition's going to get them. And it's like, like HBO has been around. This isn't like they've been around. They've been competing with all these companies. Now they're doing it maybe a little more head to head, but they've been competing with these companies all along. It's not like, it's not new. Maybe companies are spending more, but I think, yeah, the ad supported tier, everyone bags on it, but I think it's probably a good idea. And I was watching something today from like one of the ex executives from Hulu. And he said, if the ad supported tier is done right and you get the advertising, right. It, the ARPU is higher than the pure subscription, like yes. meaningfully higher. Yeah. Ian, any, any thoughts on that? I don't know. I think I probably attribute more, like, I don't know in this quarter, but I think that the, the competition is a bigger deal going forward. I think as these, all of these streaming services start to get on, you know, like with Disney Plus releasing the Mandalorian, or not the Mandalorian, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series soon. And, um, you know, Netflix has the new season of Stranger Things coming out. I think there's going to be people who start to rotate around, especially if Netflix starts to do the, um, where they're charging for the... Um, the other household using your password oh, and stuff. The password so sharing, cracking down on that. Yeah, the password. Yeah, cracking down on password sharing. Like, I think people are just going to start because I know people who have like, you know, one person will have the Disney Plus account and someone else will have the Netflix account and someone else will have the, you know, whatever it is, the HBO account, and they all share their passwords amongst each other. But if if you're really going to have to start doing it yourself, like I think there's going to be people who say, oh, I'm going to get Netflix this month and I'm going to get Disney Plus next month because you know, this show's coming out that I want to see. And, and I think Disney has the advantage there too, because of the kids content um, that there's just like, that's the stuff that sticks around the one that you have to flip on for your kid, whichever that, 
platform happens to be, whichever that service happens to be, that's the one that people are going to do. And and I think that a lot of these, I think streaming itself is probably recession proof. Um, that you're going to have some sort of streaming option. Um, but I don't think, I think the thing that's less recession proof is having all the streaming things. I think people will <laughs> look at it and go, okay, I can spend $15 a month or $10 a month on one of them rather than $80 on all of them or hundred dollars on all of them. So I think, I don't know. I don't think like Netflix is going to get killed or anything like that, but I think they're, I think they're kind of, as you said, Brett, kind of hitting that, hitting some maturity, at least in the, in the, uh, the, the bigger markets. Um, and it's always a tough question with companies like this because you like to see the innovation and we're going to get into gaming and we're going to get into this other stuff, but it also, it also kind of gives you the indication that hmm, the, the current business isn't going to be the thing that drives meaningful growth over the next number of years, right? They're looking for, they're looking for that next big growth driver. And I don't think, I think that's the thing with Netflix that if, if you were going to get long, I'm not long. I've never been long. I probably won't get long. We'll see, you know, never say never, but the thing, the thing that I would be curious in as a potential investor would be what is that next step of growth? And maybe it's just international, but that seems to be slowing as well to some extent. So, um, I, I don't know. That's that would be the thing that if I was going to get long, I'd really want to be clear about where where is the growth coming from from here. But I think they should go into sports, but that's just me. They talked about that on the conference call. They've been against it while they were while everything was working beautifully. They've been against advertising in sports, and that sounds great when the business is growing. But look, everyone in okay, I've said Roku should go into local sports rights. And they let it go to like Fubo, which is just, how did you lose that to Fubo? I mean, you have way more, I don't know. It's just, I wrote, I, I thought I've been thinking Roku should go into sports rights, local sports rights and Netflix should, I don't care if it doesn't scale around. If you have access to the local sports team in an area and everyone already has access to a Netflix account, if you put it on the ad supported tier, that is, and you upgrade from the shitty TV advertising to really strong CPMs on internet enabled advertising on CTVs. I mean, that are <laughs> the amount of commercials and sports games are off the charts. I don't know. I just see, I think they're dropping the ball here. Amazon's you, really going read, after the national stuff, but I, I mean, maybe they talked about sports, but did I, you read the conference call at all? No, but I know they always talk about how they don't want to go local, but maybe they changed their tune. I don't know. No, I mean, they basically they, like, the the analyst asked about like the sports market and they like they they just said like listen i know everyone else seems to be doing it right now but we don't see how this is going to help us like increase cash flow for our shareholders over the long term because they they said like we're we're definitely more excited to do like the supportive content like the drive to survive or some of the other stuff they have coming out but basically they made it sound like these deals are stupid and they're they aren't going to get a lot of value out of it it's they have to pay a ton and it like isn't that yeah value accretive i don't know how maybe maybe the rights are a barrier but how is people able to record stuff or get stuff they have no money yeah, and they're burning money. Like I think I know, the rights are too like, expensive. Netflix can I don't know. I just kind of disagree. I think 
the sports, but can, the, rights, the reason like, that the, the case, results are there, the rights are too expensive. Like yeah, Fubo's but, just shelling money out. And no, no, but that's for a different, that's for a, a flawed model of trying to bring cable to streaming. I think if you bring the, whatever the CPM levels up to a proper targeted, whatever it is like internet enabled ones, it will be extremely profitable. And not only that, it locks in churn but how, at way lower. How do you, I mean, how, the only reason cable was so successful for so long is because you had lock-in, basically with the box and uh, whatever, the distribution to the household and sports. How do you know, doesn't have that. How do you know it's going to be insanely profitable for local sports rights? Like, I'm because sure they've the explored the, the ad, option. The ad load is insane. And right now, when I watch local sports, the ads are terrible. You don't think they've considered that? Like they, they. It seems like they've explored it and said it's not worthwhile. I, I think they haven't tried it. They haven't tried anything. I think it's. What do you mean they haven't tried anything? They've never tried sports. They've never tried it. I think it could be just a. They could just incinerate cash if they did it. Well, I think think it would be one of those. I think it would be one of those big bets that. I'd want them to be fairly confident in before they undertook. And I don't think as Ryan's saying, I don't think they've got the indication. It seem it doesn't seem core to what they're doing right now, right? They have no live programming. Um, and they seem to be getting kind of more into what are additional asynchronous type things that we can do with the gaming or even the other night, my sister and I um, stumbled across the trivia crack game on Netflix or whatever. And um, they seem to be going more that direction. And Maybe that's a mistake, but that seems to be where their comfort level is rather than getting into the live stuff. Real quick, I want to bring up, we got a couple of um, comments here. Um, we got a comment from Caesar saying, it's such a difficult business, honestly. Literally, as soon as they have success with a movie or series, they have to think about what they're going to do next to keep subs from churning. And I think yeah, that's true. And sports creates the content for you. It's literally no, like, that's the whole thing. It's not free, though. I know, but it's... it's And it has a, lo- it has a way shorter shelf is, life. Is there enough crossover no, it's there an between infinite the shelf audiences? Life. It, 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 it's, there's, a le- there's a league. The leagues redo it for you every year, and you don't have to do shit. Yeah. Do, do you think there's enough enough crossover there in the audiences, though? Like, is what percentage Everyone of, in Netflix, what, everyone in the United States has access to Netflix. My grandpa's 85 years old, and he doesn't even know how to work his phone. And he doesn't even know how to email. He's like Buffett, and he, he watches Netflix. Right. But is your, so this is the question though, your grandpa is probably not going to be flipping through and like changing his subscription from Netflix to Hulu to whatever each month. And so he's already locked in of the people who might do that. What percentage of people, of those people actually care about live sports, right? People who are in their twenties and thirties and especially local live sports, right? It's got, it's only got to be 10 to 20% of Netflix subscribers that are, I know what this is about. I know that Brett is upset that the Mariners games aren't on CTV. <laughs> aren't streamed. But, no, but I don't that, think... That's a problem that a lot of people have. I'm speaking personally. A lot of people want... I mean, I've talked to this with my friends. They're like, I would pay 20 bucks a month to watch the local baseball games. Let me do that. The sport... Like, someone is... There's an, op, there's an opportunity. There. There's the vacuum there. And the reason that local... That young people aren't watching whatever baseball local sports is because they literally can't. It's not because they don't care. It's because they can't. And I just, the, these companies are seeing this data of, oh, sports reports are going down. Like whatever sports watching is going down among young people. It's because they literally can't watch these games. So I don't there's think no, that's, that's why. why it's going down. I don't think that's why. 
I think Reed Hastings has probably thought it over. I don't think they're looking at, well, less people on CTV are watching local sports because they, they know, everyone knows that it's like not easily available for us. But I think well, the rights, the rights are held the up. Content. The rights are held up, though. The rights are held up. That's no, they can't. They like can't, they can't right now. It's held owned by like Sinclair and other people that aren't. Uh, they're keeping it on cable. Pluralsight, a tech workforce development company, provides the solutions high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether it's building the skills individuals and teams need to tackle mission-critical projects, driving cloud transformation, or helping software teams to ship reliable, scalable, and secure code. Harness the collective power of hindsight, foresight, and insight with Pluralsight at pluralsight.com vision. I do think the other thing that Ian kind of touched on, and I guess to get back to Caesar's question real fast, yeah, that is something that's always prohibited me is the content treadmill that they basically have to, they're stuck on. I think there is sort of a, I would have imagined that there's like a point in, of their scale where it starts to like not be, as long as you can produce like one decent thing every two months, I'll stay. Um, but the, to Ian's point, I think with all the content being so fragmented now, each service is more disposable than cable. So it's like, and I think we saw that in Europe, like it isn't recession proof anymore. If, and not that there was a recession there, but when, when people started to tighten their purse strings, it's one of the first things to go, like all these streaming services, or you're not going to have them three all. to one. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to harp on this again, but guess what one you would keep if you were a soccer fan in Europe? The one with soccer content. Um, so I guess we'll see, though. We'll see. We'll uh, see I could call. totally be wrong. I'm no expert on video streaming. Here's the other question that Ian was probably about to say, which is very, very interesting. How do you think this competition affects ad companies like Trade Desk or Pubmatic? And I will add on top of that, Roku. Any thoughts from you guys? I know we're not experts on the trade desk, but we kind of know what the business is. Um, and we don't own it any. I want to be clear. Ian, do you own the trade uh, desk? I own just a, a little bit of the trade desk. Okay. I have a bigger oh. position in, uh, you can't even really call it a trade desk competitor, but <laughs> a similar uh, a similar service to the trade okay. desk called Acuity Ads. But. All right. Full disclosure there. All right. Any thoughts, I guys? Think, yeah. I think they are the safer, like... I think they're the safer business models to bet on. Like I'm not sure on valuation for the trade desk or Pubmatic, but they are essentially the arms dealers. It feels like now that's going to be competitive too, but they are the arms dealers to this absurd content spend from all the media companies. Um, and I, I, I think those are the companies that feel safer to me. Like that's a more resilient model than throwing a bunch of money into content and kind of hoping it sticks. I like Roku a lot. Yeah, me too. I, I, I haven't owned, I own it in the past, don't own it right now. Probably could own it in the future. It's on the watch list. But here's how, what I see is that they're the operating system. Netflix is maybe going to start promoting their stuff on the home screen. They're going to spend more with them. There's all these streaming services that are trying to pump stuff up. They have the cut of ad spend when something goes. Because one of my big concerns with Roku is that Netflix was succeeding without ads if Netflix gets embraces this ad supporting tier. That could be a huge uplift, uplift for them. Now on the flip side, 
a lot of Roku's advertising revenue is coming from the free Roku channel, which is kind of like one of those, you know, it's got those reruns. It's got movies on there that's ad supported and it's supposed to be, you know, better CPM. So hopefully fairly profitable, even though they get on the content trend little bit of embracing that old content um, of saying like buying up some old movie catalogs and stuff like that. So that could be a headwind if Netflix, you know, goes into advertising tier or, you know, obviously YouTube has been a competitor with that as well. But I think overall Roku will benefit from this shift if it really is this big shift and Netflix has to embrace advertising and become more level playing field among all the streamers. Yeah. And it's also Roku's pricing model agnostic, where if you're subscribing to Disney Plus, Roku gets a cut. If you're on Netflix's next ad supported, I imagine there's, uh, I believe the way Roku's works is they get a cut of the ad supply to fill. I believe it's a bit of a black box. I, I've never been able to confirm it, but I think that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if, if you aren't a sub, if it isn't subscription monetization, or if it isn't subscription revenue for Roku, I believe you have to designate a portion of your ad supply to Roku. Like you have to give it to them for them to fill. As long as people are going to CTV, they win. And here's the thing. Netflix used to have the negotiating power to not give Roku any cut of subscription dollars. May that change? Because it's sort of like the battle that people have with Apple, not nearly as powerful, obviously, of Apple with the smartphone stuff. But I could see that happening where, and I, people always say that Roku is just a, like, the, I don't know, they say it's a commodity. Well, I don't, I disagree because I have the TV. It's a Roku TV. I'm not switching. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm locked into the operating service and it's a good operating system. It works very, very well. A lot it's better. It's very than easy. Fire, way better than Amazon Fire TV. And everyone, that, that, Okay, I and maybe I overestimate this, but the layout is so simple that I think it's a huge like I think it's really valuable for them because I one of one of the people I live with now has this horrible I think it's an Apple TV. I don't know, but it's insanely hard to navigate. The Fire TV is insanely hard to navigate. Roku, I know exactly where everything is. I know exactly it, it's a very intuitive operating system. I'm not going to switch. Well, you're going to, well, next one, next TV you buy, I'm assuming over the next decade, you'll buy like when maybe one more TV or something. Um, if you move somewhere, it's most likely going to be a Roku enabled one just because of your customer experience. Ian, any thoughts on there? And maybe we want to talk about the ads, uh, not the, the DSPs or whatever those advertising technology companies. I mean, it seems like it'll just be a rising tide for them. Yeah, that was the direction I was going to go is I think for the companies like the Trade Desk or QD ads, like I was mentioning, um, I think this is generally a good, the competition is a good thing because it seems to be driving subscription prices towards zero, which means that they're going to become more ad supported. Um, it, that because of all the competition, people are having to, or all these companies are having to figure out ways to still generate income and have people like the best thing to help with churn is when you actually don't have to pay each month, right? <laughs> if you're if you're paying nothing or a nominal amount each month to have the service, you're less likely to turn than if you're paying 10, 12, 15 bucks a month. So I think that that's been positive for this industry. Um, I would say the, the caveat to that is for someone like Netflix, I would be concerned that their ad supply never reaches 
the DSPs or the SSPs or any of that network that they, I would suspect if Netflix was going to do it themselves or that if Netflix was going to do an ad supported platform, they might build their own ad, ad network, similar to a Snapchat, similar to a Facebook, similar to a Google. You're thinking Wall Garden? That's ambitious. No, I don't think the, they want to do that. They said they won't on the conference call. Oh, really? That's it. That's a lot. They said of they them. want to delegate that. Hmm. It's a heavy investment right there. Well, that's good that to know. Cost. I, I yeah, I did not see the conference call yet. So that's that's good to know. Um, that's what I would have thought as well. It seems like they like doing things in-house. I mean, they talked about right. bringing all the gaming. They said they want to produce the games in-house. But Where are they, they going to get the cash to do both of those things? That's just my question. Like the tech, the ad technology. Debt. Would Netflix. <laughs> more debt. More debt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just don't see where they're going to get the cash to do that. And I, 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 I don't they know. Basically I said, they basically said like the gaming... I think that's probably why they're going to designate or delegate the like the ad tech to other companies, but because um, that would probably be really expensive to build out. But the gaming side is just going to replace linear content spend. Um, and the the interesting thing is, I think they can. I actually like that strategy because I think Netflix really benefits from virality. You know, where like. You almost get FOMO when everyone's talking about a show and, and you games. haven't seen it. Yeah. Squid Games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can, it, it, there's always that with gaming too. Like everyone, that, that was basically the whole Fortnite craze, right? There's like that industry is like really built on virality and like games hitting sort of a success threshold and then it attracts more users. If they can do that with something like, like the Exploding Kittens game, which I think will do well. Um, and then you can parlay that with some content, like some linear content. I think that's a good strategy. And that could build a lot of that sort of like FOMO. What am I missing on that game? It's very easy to over mobile. It's very accessible. So I, don't know, I, I like that. I like the idea of trying out some interactive content. I like it if they succeed. I just don't <laughs> think they will. I don't know. I just, I'll believe it when I see it. I just get a little nervous. But yeah, if they execute, I mean, that's, it'll, it'll be. A great addition. All right. Any All right, we've belabored we've hit, Netflix. We've hit too streaming much. a lot. I think that was good. Anything else this week, guys? Um, I mean, Tesla earnings, fantastic. I think what should we all say? Fantastic report. Yeah. Yeah. I know me and Ryan hard, have been haters hard, for a long time. Hard, you, had, you had a call as you to see swallow. It. Yeah. Me and Ryan have been haters for years, but you had a call as you see it. If they can uh, produce those type of gross margins, even in this commodity environment, I think it's highly impressive. Now, I do wonder, like, yeah, I wonder how they're doing it. But the, uh, I thought it was really funny afterwards. Someone was like, someone compared operating expense spend from Tesla, and then Elon like said, like, we can get it down even further. I, I'm just like picturing the employees that are on like the payroll, like, uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, yeah, I guess I'll just like leave the desk. I'll go home. Yeah, I found it interesting that he was going to leverage his stock to Twitter, to buy Twitter a little bit. I mean, not too much, but I mean, Tesla stock's still very value, premium, premiumly priced. Um, He's doing what, a margin? Oh, this, I, like, I some yeah, of it's bit, cash he has, more. but no. there's like a margin loan on his Tesla collateral, right? You're using Tesla yeah. stock as collateral. I mean, I don't know. That feels risky to me. Um, I don't really have any good takes on the Tesla report, except for the fact that I think they've locked in commodity prices before on those long-term contracts. It'll be interesting to see what happens if these prices stay elevated because 
if they, I, I just wonder how they are able to have gross margins and profit margins so much higher than the competition. I, I just, it, it baffles me. I think I'm going to say it. I might've been wrong. <laughs> yeah. Might well, I mean, have been wrong. The story's not over. We were definitely, <laughs> uh, so far when we were saying it was overvalued at what, what it would have been like 50 or hundred dollars a share split adjusted. Definitely wrong. But, I think we can confidently say that now. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Well, Ian, you've yeah, been a I shareholder. Think, yeah. I've been a shareholder. I've reduced my stake at some different times. Um, and for me, it was never one that I felt like, oh, this is a genius investment or it was kind of, I tend to have a lot of tracking positions in my portfolio. And uh, that was one that kind of the reason I actually go ahead and buy something is you buy it when it was, I think I had it at, what was it like $35 split adjusted or something when I bought my first little thing and just, it was a tiny portion of the portfolio, but then when it does what it's done, it becomes a little bit more. Um, and it's nice to have that little piece rather than it just sitting on the watch list. But um, so that's why I, why I do that and have all these little tiny positions to some extent, but um, I don't know. I think, I think it's fair to say that people were wrong, that it wasn't ever going to like be a real company. Right. Because I feel like when I, when I bought it, at whatever it was, like I said, in the 30 split adjusted, there was like questions about whether it was going to go bankrupt whether people would even drive the cars, whether it was a fad, all that type of stuff. It doesn't, it seems to have passed all of those questions. Right. right let me clarify that with Musk said that they were weeks from bankruptcy multiple times. So it was close. Yes, right. Was exactly. Close. And right. But they have, my point is that even though they were at that point, they have passed that point. At yeah, least, exactly. Presumably yeah. they're not close to bankruptcy at this point, given their balance sheet. Or better hope. Yeah. Better hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I think like they've passed all those concerns. The thing is like today, you know, I look at the valuation and I still go, man, this is kind of wild. Um, <laughs> but it, it, they like for a long time, I think there was questions from a lot of the Twitter, you know, the Tesla Q community that like, this is a fake company. It's all fraud. There's no there there. And like, clearly if you look around or if you're on the West coast at all, you see their cars everywhere. Um, it's become one of the most popular cars out there there's a lot of concerns about the quality of it. And I think those are fair, but, um, but it's a real company. And is it one of the top 10 most valuable companies in the world? Uh, like by market cap it is, but I think it's, like, <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's a much more, I think it's, I think you guys are not wrong, that that's probably not the truth. Well, right. Uh, in the long me, term. If, if it's a fraud, it is the best run fraud I've ever seen. Hey. I want to say, clarify this. There can still be fraud committed at a legitimate company that sells products. That those two things are not mutually mutually exclusive. Right. If I'm using that term correctly. They have committed clear fraud at least one time. Two, well, one of them's definitively clear. The solar roof tile reveal. Now but it was for anything. the good of America. And well, the world. do we want the planet to die? We need them to commit fraud on a Hollywood studio with a fake solar tile. We do need that, but. <laughs> That was, I mean, that, that's been proven in court to be fraudulent. It has not mattered. I also think this, the, the, uh, whatever the full self-driving reveal will prove to be fraudulent, but that one's a bit unclear because they're still selling the product. However, that stuff has not mattered. And obviously millions of people are still buying the cars, especially on the West coast. I did learn that up until 2019 though, 0.2% of zip codes 
which are basically all California, and I'm assuming one, the Seattle one in Washington, covered 25% of all electric vehicle sales in the United States, which is kind of wild. So, <laughs> and I live, our and electric we, and we lived sales, in that zip code. Yeah, our electric vehicle set vehicle sales. Excuse me, uh, tied to the Nasdaq to QQQ prices because of all the the stock options. I think maybe in 2018 they were, but not anymore. It's more mainstream now. Yeah, it's too mainstream now. The I don't know. I feel like I don't like how good some people feel about themselves by having an electric vehicle without knowing like where that power is coming from. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, you bend metal with magic, right? It doesn't take any energy. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, it, there's just a little bit of hypocrisy there that bothers me, but I imagine I'm not doing that much better by the planet by driving around a ice car. Yeah. Um, all right. I mean, it is that that stock has defied gravity, though. I will say that ARK Invest, man, they must be glad they <laughs> that was their largest position because if that was not their largest position, I'd be really worried about that fund and other funds that invest like that because that's been like ARK is down like 60% and Tesla's been flat basically or up over the last year, but like flat since the start of the year. I mean, that it just feels wild to me that, that even though obviously the report has been solid, but almost every company's stock has dropped, like at least in the technology sector, excluding energy, stuff like that has dropped like 20%. I don't know. It's, it's weird that that's the one stock that it's, it's um, being excluded from the drawdown. You know, here's, go, go ahead, ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, this is, this is a little bit of a tangent. So go for it. All right. Oh, well, what I was going to say is you were talking about how all the tech stocks are down, Brett, and I'm getting sick and tired of these pair trades where like, they're so irrational. The, like Netflix drops and then every Mash consumer Group internet stock 10%. Every, yeah. Every like, consumer internet company drops 10%. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, the, the, the indication it's like, there's no, why, totally why are you sick company. of that? That's that's great. It creates awesome buying opportunities. <laughs> it is a good buying opportunities. I, I don't. I actually I enjoy the buying opportunities. I don't appreciate the irrationality, and I know it's probably <laughs> just some some algorithm that's doing it. But whatever. I, I, I was I was going to <laughs> I was going to put forward a little bit of a hypothetical here. So, what do you guys think next five years? Better performance, Twitter. Or Tesla, and if Twitter gets taken out, it, the returns are whatever it was. I don't want to play Twitter. One hundred percent Twitter. I don't want to play this game. The <laughs> put it in the books; it'll be on the internet forever. I said that. I am highly confident it'll be Twitter. If it yeah. gets taken private at a premium, I would be extremely confident. I don't know. I. Do not like Twitter as an investment ever, other than the fact that I mean the the bull thesis at this point. Well, the bull thesis like from two weeks ago was that like basically it's going to be a bidding war. Um, I honestly haven't kept up with it enough, but I just don't like the idea of billionaires owning media 
outlets like wholly on the communication services yeah yeah Uh, as someone who's criticized tesla they're gonna like we said they're gonna shut us down he's gonna he's gonna shut us down um yeah what's weird though is twitter's business okay excluding the sbc like that's whatever that's its own issue but the business i don't know has grown pretty solidly if i'm not mistaken Right. Well, has uh, on a per share basis. Uh, let me look up revenue per share growth. Let me get a little. Let me get, put Coif in an action here. So we can pull up. It's grown, but it shows just how how much it used to be worth. Like just how overvalued it used to be. It came out at eighty times sales. Isn't that right? It was hot in twenty eleven. I mean, everyone thought it was going to kill Facebook even. That was the thesis. It's for you. Credentials to advance, confidence to stand out in your career. At Regent University, you'll join more than 30,000 world changers making a difference in high demand fields. Pursue your bachelor's, master's, or doctorate online or on campus in Virginia Beach. Your degree from top-ranked Regent University is waiting. So is the world you will elevate. Say yes to your purpose and position yourself for a brighter future. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Regent.edu slash learn more. I, I swear, every investor goes through, or every single person on Twitter who's also an investor goes through the same exact like cycle. They're like, I spend so much time on this. There's so much potential value to unlock. Okay, they can't do it through ads. Maybe they can find a new monetization strategy. And then it's like, no, they can't do that either. Okay, all right. I guess this is just a free service then, basically. Yeah, okay, over the last 10 years, it's gone from revenue per share has gone from $2.69 a share to six dollars and 37 cents a share so that's solid over 10 years over 10 years approximately run your own numbers exactly i'm just looking at a chart mm-hmm. here. it's not bad i wonder right but you much... wouldn't have when they came out in 2011 like you would not have thought that that was going to be the trajectory right Revenue. i think people would have yeah. You would have guessed that they were gonna <clears throat> 10x revenue per share <laughs> over 10 yeah. years. Right. That that was they were there was so much, like you said, there was so much well, it was 80 times sales. 80 times sales, right? That's what you're expecting is is huge, huge revenue growth numbers. But it does feel like it feels like there's a lot of problems internally at that company. Not and part of that's just because Jack was like complaining about the board of directors. Uh, but well, he seemed to be the problem, if I'm not mistaken. He seemed to be the issue. Maybe he, I, we'll never know. I guess we'll never know unless there's a tell-all. But I think I, how is he not the issue? Well, because well, I think there's still issues now with him. True. Gone, true. Right. Like I, you know, <laughs> he's not involved, and, and Twitter still. It's not like Twitter has had some remarkable um, initiatives and remarkable growth, or even like a great plan. Well, it's um, only been three last, months, right? Yeah, but still, if you know, you like, I'm not saying they would have like turned the whole business around, but would have thought maybe that there was. Like it just seems like there's more controversy, right? Ever since that's happened, they've they've had numerous times where there there's these controversy about what they're banning and what they're like all things that actually aren't core to the business, 
right? Or at least not value add to the business. They're just, it's like they're, they're still just putting out fires rather than like, yeah, that's the problem with Twitter is it feels like Twitter's constantly in the mode where it has to be putting out fires rather than actually focusing on value add things to the business. Yeah, anytime, but if those, that's, I, th- I think, and I've heard like executives talk about this where there's like all this, like the back end is not done, was not done right. And they're like the controls have been like it, like it's a hard uh, it's a hard community to control, and they can't just like flip a switch and fix it. So yeah, like you said, Ian, that they're basically spending all their time trying to put out political fires uh, that they don't. There's like no focus on growth initiatives, and if they maybe it just isn't growable. Like maybe the maybe the platform can expand beyond what it is right now. Like I I don't listen to Spaces much anymore. I thought that could be it. Um, I don't I don't use it for anything other than I for anything other than what I used to use it for three two or three years ago. I, I just don't know if it's changeable. Yeah, well, I just I kind of disagree with the political stuff because. Facebook's had 10 times as much of that and they're way more profitable. I, I just don't, I, I don't right, see I that. think that's, but I think that's because Facebook has figured out ways to deal with that. And part of it is they have huge teams focused on it, right? But Facebook has figured out ways to navigate that and keep, keep innovating and keep adding, you know, keep, <laughs> keep raising their, uh, their average revenue per user throughout all of that, despite, and, and like I said, and innovating and doing stuff. Whereas Twitter, it seems like just sucks up all their attention and all their time. And there's, they haven't been able to innovate. Um, True, maybe, but for sure. We'll see. All I right, read something, other... I can't remember where it was, but I read something, um, or maybe it was Zuckerberg in an interview and he was probably, you know, <laughs> pumping Facebook a little bit too, but but he made some comment about how big their, uh, I can't remember what he called it, but their safety team or their compliant, like their, basically the moderation team and how big it was and that he saw that as a major competitive advantage for them because they had the capital and they had the revenue to support such a big team where they could actually handle those issues better than, and this was post 2016, but that they could handle those issues better than any of their competitors in social media, just because they had such a massive team that was both doing it themselves, but also building tools that helped with moderation. So, um, and I think that's probably true. I think that's been proven out over the last couple of years and things like Snapchat, it probably matters less because there's less of the the general feed social component, but for something like Twitter, that's all based on the feed. Um, I think it, I think they are at a competitive disadvantage with something like Facebook or Instagram because of um, they just don't have the same, they don't have the same capital to vote to, to huge content moderation teams. It's yeah. Those jobs seem terrible though. Like it's a competitive advantage that we can pay people a decent amount of money to watch beheadings and child porn and, tell us to delete it like doesn't that job just seem like it's awful yes but i I don't know i I just i think that's a long-term i think there's also you know and now this is getting into areas that i'm not as much of an expert but i think there are also a lot of those jobs are actually building tools that Mm, interesting that can catch that type of stuff effectively yeah i've always content moderation in a perfect world is done through uh algorithms like that are picking it even if there's tools and yeah yeah. 
even if there's like, even if it, I think misses not, not misses some, uh, to where it's, it's put up, but they're overprotective. I think it's almost a good thing. Yeah. Well, that makes it, yeah, it makes it hard to, uh, culturally it's hard to navigate that stuff. I get surprised though, speaking of snap, I get surprised every quarter that they continue to grow. Like, I don't know that it doesn't who's on that. Am I crazy? I'm not that old. Maybe. You still on a run? Yeah. They're, or are you monetizable? Like I thought you were just messaging. Yeah. I'm, I'm not monetizable. I, I don't even, it's basically, I have this really long standing streak with someone from like eight years ago. Um, and I log on once a day and I, I send a picture of my face and then I log on the next day and do the same thing. And I, I just want to see how high the street can get. Um, I don't think that's a very valuable user, but I'm well, on there every day. I'm a DAU though. It was brilliant. The streak feature was brilliant. For DAU in the pump DAUs. Yeah. I mean, but, their revenue, though, continues to grow, and it's kind of surprising, I, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly blown away by how big the, the world of, like, like, how much advertising spend there is globally. Yeah, it's, it's and, t- and TikTok, and this is coming while TikTok's, like, dominating time spent now, which I, someone showed me TikTok, for like 10 minutes. And I got to say that stuff is pure evil. That's it's like, <laughs> that should be banned. It's psychotic. It's you're such a boomer. It's I, I felt like I was on crack watching this stuff. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, and it's so addictive. I was like, let's turn it off. And they couldn't turn it off. Like it is true. What? Okay. It's like, it's pure. It's, 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 I think it's pure evil. It's like, it's, it's evil. Like, like heroin's evil. Like it, it lures you in and then you can't stop. And there's no, it's not like YouTube where uh, there's, you know, education stuff or whatever. It's just, I mean, there's, there's education. There's education. There's education, there's education, education but it, I mean, it's yeah, like, what? I've seen it's like guys, a, it's like guys are on there telling you about their life insurance policies that you can buy. Oh and, my God. You know, <laughs> there's all sorts, <laughs> all sorts of useful information there. I've gotten that call before. Some variable annuities, you know, if you're interested. All right, we got a good. Have you seen there. the snake oil channels? Yeah. <laughs> what about the real estate? The guy that the well, I mean, fintech investors. That's a great one. Here's a good question yeah. from Caesar. Thank you, Caesar, for being one of the, the only person dominating the chat room. Um, and this is one I was going to actually bring up. We should probably close out with this. How do you guys feel about buy with Prime? That seemed like a big announcement. I have some thoughts on it. I was looking at it. Anything from you guys? You go ahead. I. I haven't even can you explain what it is i saw everyone talking about it on twitter but i didn't check out what it was okay so they just announced that in and they're expanding it to not only fulfillment by amazon people but right now it's only fulfillment by amazon people if you do that and you have your own website you can add a button called buy with prime and prime members can get all the prime benefits free shipping and uh you know free and fast shipping from your website if you're fulfilling by Amazon, but not on amazon.com. So this takes prime and it's taking it outside 
of Amazon.com say, uh, let's say, what's a good example? Figs, figs that, uh, whatever, they, they're, they're a huge e-commerce company that has their own website. If they, they could add potentially um, buy with Prime and instead of using anything else like Shopify Pay, PayPal, whatever, you can go through buy with Prime and you get all the access to Prime. I, I think it's a great idea and it, I think Shopify's stock drop is warranted. Uh, I would be very, I'd feel very threatened by that. Yeah, and it, it's so so you get all those benefits, right? You get the free the free shipping, the fast shipping, um, and and Amazon's doing the shipping for you as the merchant. Right. Yeah, feels like a great product. You're basically just getting uh, fulfillment capabilities. It, it's expanding it's, fulfillment by Amazon outside of Amazon.com. Yeah, I mean, and they just partnered with Wix too. Yeah, so I think that's probably the part of it. Big commerce which is another Shopify competitor uh, is partnering with this as well. It was in the press release. I do. Yeah. I would be concerned now that doesn't, that does not destroy Shopify's core uh, revenue driver. Payments, payments, core revenue driver. That. Oh, Oh, it'll. Okay. So the payments would be done through the whatever the Amazon system is. That's yeah. the risk I'm seeing. I don't know if Shopify has a way to counterposition themselves, but that's the big threat to me. Can't Shopify just say not like it's not welcome on our website? <laughs> is that friendly to your merchants? If you have a product that they can't. No, there's no way. They're gonna spend a hundred billion in CapEx over the next year. Damn, that's a killer. Yeah. But they're still getting the subscription revenue. Yeah, but that's a very that's a way smaller part of the business right now than the uh, payment volume for their system. Yeah, than payment revenue. How come? When did when was this announced? Because I'm not seeing. It doesn't seem like there was a huge drop this week. No, no, they have different press releases. They have because they do press release every day. Look at like news releases. No, I know the stock didn't. Shopify or Amazon. Shopify. Shopify. I mean, it's down, but so is everything. No, no, it, it dropped a lot yesterday. I mean, it's hard to tell since there's so many factors at play. Right, but, but it's down 25% this week, or 20% in the last five days. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, it's hard to know what ex- Netflix probably drove that <laughs> somehow. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I think it's warranted, though. I don't know. I just, it feels like a threat. Like I'm just, I'm thinking one, I'm thinking self-centeredly here. I would use buy with prime. Yeah, me too. I think it, it's great as a consumer, right. To be able to go to on a website and be like, Oh, I get my prime benefits and I'm not even on Amazon. That's awesome. Right. It makes the prime membership, I think even uh, more valuable. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, it probably improves Amazon's pricing power on the membership fees. Um, because if all of a sudden it becomes, because you get the benefit, you get the, the, like the payment piece of it, which is like the same thing as pay, the PayPal has been, but then to get free shipping and fast shipping, and you know, it's coming from Amazon where it's going to have like good return procedures too. If you have to return something, it just, it, all of a sudden it just makes everything, um, it just makes it better for consumers. And so, and you get Thursday night football for free. Sorry to uh, sports <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff again. 
<laughs> little callback. Sorry. Go I ahead. don't know uh, if that's the number one reason people buy Prime, but uh, <laughs> I think Shopify's got to have some sort of way to counteract this. Whether that how though how because, because it's, it's really it's based on the fulfillment network. But how right. do they Shopify they might not? The, they can't it's in their marketplace. What are they gonna? What are they gonna buy? What are they gonna buy? App, UPS? app integration is thirty bucks. We get a cut of any payments that Prime. any payments that go through a Shopify website. I'm sure that yeah, but that that's gonna hurt margins. I mean, Wix basically and all the other ones uh, have zero. You know, they're basically saying we're gonna go with Amazon here and basically try to partner with them. But Shopify said like it's also enhancing the value Amazon yeah, they said they're going to buy Amazon in 2030. And it's like, all right, no. Like they, their ambitions were to defeat Amazon. And that's what the stock got up to $200, $200 billion market cap. But now I feel like they have to embrace each other. Well, did you see that Toby Lutke changed his profile picture back from an NFT to his normal uh, to his normal that. profile pic? What a shame. That's a, that's a bear market sign. What a shame. Yeah. Someone but, said... Someone said uh, the the bull market isn't over until, or he's like, this isn't a true bear market until Toby Lutke changes his profile, but pick back from an NFT, and then like a week later he changed it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Is that a like? I think we may have talked about this before, maybe not in this show, but I feel like the NFT stuff, like. If any sort of executive embraces that, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. If it's like a company you like, I'm like, in my back of my mind, I'm just panicking. It is a bit of a, con- yes, it's a yellow flag, 100%. Starbucks adopting it? What the hell is that about? Yeah. It makes me wonder about, like, well, it basically pulls a boy who cried wolf on the rest of your press releases. Like, you know. They're like, oh, uh, okay, a lot of our, our stores are unionizing, but we're also we also have an NFT marketplace. So, yeah. <laughs> check. That do you remember? Out. Do you remember when Axie Infinity was going to kill all the gaming publishers? Do you guys remember that? Do you guys remember that the the, yeah. the play to earn games that were basically a Ponzi scheme oh, yeah. to uh, have people become serfs in the Philippines? <laughs> uh, I had kind of heard about it. They kind of they wanted. It collapsed, I guess. Run. It's basically collapsing. I don't know. So are you sure they didn't kill Call of Duty? They uh they asked us to advertise them on our YouTube channel. Axie Infinity? Yeah. No way. I swear to God. <laughs> our tiny YouTube channel. They must be doing really well as a business. Our four our four listeners, you guys better get on Axie Infinity. Hey. I don't even know what it is. How do you how do you uh you have to buy you have okay. to buy a token first. So I kind of I I'd have to read up where, on where does this happen? No, there's like it's like a video game thing, but you have to buy your character with a crypto token. So you have to like buy your crypto token and then the uh, more you play a video the more game on what? Online on, video- on your phone or on, okay. on whatever. So there's an on app? Whatever. Uh app, there's computer, app. whatever. It's like a social okay. it's like a it's like one of those it's I guess Pokemon is kind of a open world type game with a bunch of other people. Type so you, have to buy a token. Little, you have to buy a token to play and the more you play so pay to play and play yeah pay to play no no you have okay it's it's you have to pay into the ponzi scheme so you have to buy the tokens but then the more you play the more tokens you earn so like 
you have to, and then you have to get more people to like buy them. I don't have the exact details, but again, I know for a fact you have to buy the tokens to uh, come in. And then a bunch of people in the Philippines were doing this because the amount of money they could earn compared to the foreign uh, exchange could make them decent amount of money in the U.S. or something. It would be not, not, not enough, but they were doing that. And so it was basically just uh, a donation from U.S. VCs through these crypto tokens into the Philippines. And I was just thinking, why waste the time of having people spend six hours a day on Axie Infinity when you can just donate money to these people to have better lives? Wait, so I'm so confused. You buy the token. Wait, so first of all, the whole, the whole point of the game was to like eliminate pay to play. I know, but, but it's, you it's, have to buy a token to play. As everything in crypto, it's hypocritical. So, all right, I'm not going to turn this into some like uh, bear rat on crypto, but I, I genuinely don't understand where the value is. You, oh, there's you no buy value. a token, and then you can get unlimited tokens when you play. You play to earn, yeah, and also it's a currency, so the price of the currency skyrocketed like 100x in the summer, so that was beneficial. Oh, so you buy the Axe Infinity. I don't know what it's token. called. Yeah, there's so, there's some token associated with it. But then you uh, can get a bunch of tokens back. Then Axie Infinity doesn't have any mo- money. <laughs> the business model is potentially flawed, Ryan. I, I'm not saying there, there's questions to ask, but all I'm saying is that people said it was the future about six months ago. And I just got to say that it was kind of a toppy signal when that was happening. Yeah, you know, I think every, I swear, everyone thinks like, there's going to be a video game killer, but there, there's never a video game killer. Like it's always the same publishers that are doing pretty well. Fortnite was for like six months, maybe a year, but there's it wasn't really idea. a killer. It hurt revenue by like 10%. They, 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 everyone says VR is going to like overtake consoles. Every consoles still seem to be dominating. I, I just, sometimes I, I, I think there isn't going to be that much change. Yeah, gaming. let's. Yeah, VR is going to take over. I'm going to enjoy getting a headache after playing for 20 minutes. That sounds fun. Hey, like, apparently they eliminated eliminated the headaches. Oh, they did. Well, that could be big. Oh, all right. Maybe we're all closer. Although you know, I'm seeing there's so many meta, like Meta Quest Two ads on TV. How bad are those ads? Oh, How worst. bad are those ads? <laughs> What's this integration with the NFL? I don't understand what that is. No, there's nothing to understand. There's nothing to. <laughs> like Lamar, like apparently you're going to get a camera on Lamar Jackson's helmet. But he, here's the thing. I thought, so I watched that little tutorial video and there was this, apparently you can like play alongside the quarterback, but all the characters are like turned into these like terrible graphic players. Like I thought the point was to make it look realistic, like to make yeah. it like a real, like reality. Uh, I'll, okay, we're running up on time, but I'll say, if VR gets solved and you can be the quarterback in Madden, that would be quite fun. But guess what? The only company that's going to be able to do that because of the exclusive license uh, is little known EA Sports. Um, so, you it's know. in the game. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. <laughs> Everyone, I think a lot of listeners were thinking of, thinking of that, exact, that exact thing. Well, if it's but not- that does seem cool. Like the, the sports thing's moving into VR. Although I feel like that's just insanely complicated like that's just 10 years down the line i agree but what if you could watch tiger woods at the masters 
right next to him in real time. And that's how you could experience it. How much would a media company pay for that? Hmm. I, I don't know. Like it's, it feels weird. I, I just to maybe other people would like that, but it feels weird to me to, to do that. It does like, feel a little stalkerish. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll, I don't know. I went to a tournament in person. Like it's, that's great. But like, if I had the same experience in VR, it'd feel very empty. Yeah, I suppose. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. We're two minutes over time. No show next week. I know there's uh, no one that's watching on YouTube. So, well, no, we got six people here. I guess we're growing. We got, we have a 50% growth from last week. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks after Berkshire. We'll give a little recap of that. Uh, let me just give the disclosure just in case. We are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Follow us on Spotify or iTunes to get all the show recaps plus different show formats covering individual stocks. Thank you all for listening and watching. We'll see you in two weeks.